1: Life if you give your
0: heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're through you'll be set for life
1: Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. God did not make hell for us. He made that for Satan and all the demons that he works with. But if you will not turn to the Lord, he's going to throw you in there with him. I mean, first off, hell is bad enough itself. It's called the lake of fire. It's eternal. It never ends. It's nothing but pain, weeping, and gnashing of teeth, the, the Bible says. But can you also imagine being thrown into that fiery pit with Satan and all the demons too? You're all mixed up in there together. That can't be good. It's going to be absolute 24-7, 365 terror for eternity. Billions of years upon billions of years, if you want to put a time stamp on it somehow, it's never going to end. That's worse than being buried like a donkey, I'll guarantee you. So there's going to be many who will be cast away from the Lord's presence in much the same way as how he cast Judah away in this chapter, letting their enemies drag them off. And like I said, a lot of people, they have a hard time believing that the Lord God would do such a thing because their reasoning is that if God is love, then he wouldn't do this. Well, I have to say that because God is love, then he has to judge wickedness like this. He is love, so he has to hate evil. And if it means that the Lord God has to bring your enemies up against you, just to try to get you to snap out of it and recognize how wrong you're being, how sinful you are, to get you to straighten up and turn back to you, back to him, then he will do it. I'm thankful that the Lord God did that to me. He brought up every hostile force in my life that used to not exist suddenly rose up, just like you see Babylon rising up here. All these things rose up against me to get me to snap out of it and say, Lord, I can't do this. I need to turn my life over to you. That's what Judah should have done. They should have said, Lord, take over. Now think about it, though. If God did this to his own covenant tribe of Judah, then he will certainly do the same to us Gentiles. Well, Ray, I don't believe that God operates like this. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I have Isaiah 45 verse 7 waiting on you. God says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. See, God is trying to say, oh, I do all this stuff. You, you know, you have those unbelievers that say, well, if God is real, then how come there's evil in the world? If God is real, then how come bad things happen? Well, first off, the reason why there's evil in the world is because we're sinners. And there is a Satan. There is a devil. and he has influence on all that stuff, and we listen to him. You can see that at the fall of Adam and Eve. So yeah, there's your evil in the world. Well, why do bad things happen? Well, what's bad? Uh, Okay, see, you may call it bad, but it could be the Lord trying to raise up an enemy to get you to snap out of it. I'm very thankful for all the bad things that ever happened to me that got me to finally give my life to the Lord. So you want to say, why do bad things happen? Well, I don't know. You still turned against the Lord doing things your own way. Maybe some more bad things need to happen to you to get you to snap out of it. And I pray that you give your life to the Lord before things get worse, because you can get on your knees at any time today. Now, as a matter of fact, you can get down on your knees and say, Lord, I can't do this. Please save me. And he'll start to get into work to changing you. And you're just denying yourself your own blessing if you don't bow the knee to him. You know, I heard from a friend the other day, he said that whenever he goes to church, he just hates it. I hate going to church. And I said, why is that? And he says, well, every time I leave, I feel like I'm going to hell. By the way, that pastor spoke to me. I feel like I'm just going straight to hell. And I thought, well, maybe because you are. And he, he couldn't believe I said that. And I said, have you given your life to the Lord? He goes, yeah. I said, really? Really? Did you really give your life to the Lord? And he goes, well, you know, I was at a church camp when I was a kid, and I, gave, I said that prayer. I'm like, yeah, but have you turned from your sin? He goes, Oh well, no. I, I said, do you go to church? He goes, no. Do you read the Bible? He goes, no, I don't have to read the Bible. Do you tithe like the Lord says to? Him? No. Do you belong in the body of Christ? No. Do you pursue the Lord to know who he says he is? No. He, he's not doing anything the Lord God ever commanded him to do, and he doesn't even know what the Lord commands him to do because he doesn't want to know. All he wants to do is his own thing. I said, you have completely given your life to the Lord God, and you're not doing any of these things. He goes, no. And I said, no wonder you feel like you're going to hell. I, I, I said, you know, if that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that the, he's trying to tell you, then yeah, maybe you are going to hell. Maybe you need to listen to this. Maybe that's the red flag warning that the Lord God is throwing at you so that you'll wake up and repent and get right so he can save you. He's already given Jesus to save you. Friend, Scripture says we're all sinners and we are deserving of hell. So, yeah, there is that, that element in us that says, oh, no, I'm going to hell. So if you're really feeling that, oh, gosh, they always make me feel like I'm going to hell, maybe it's because you are, and maybe you, you haven't really given your life to the Lord like you think you have. You know, the Bible says that most people, in Matthew 7, most people that think they're saved are not. They just want to believe they're saved so that they can get that blessing, but they don't want to live under the Lord's terms, under His by his standards. They just want to believe they're going to be saved, but I can do whatever I want to. You can't. Look at what we read here in 2 Kings 24. God had to throw these guys aside because they turned away from him. And they wouldn't do what he said. So I think maybe if somebody leaves a church service or hears a message thinking all they're going to is hell, then perhaps the gospel message wasn't conveyed very well. Maybe they didn't give the message of, the, of salvation in Jesus, or maybe you're just not listening. Whatever the case is, I want to give it to you right now because I don't want you to feel, oh, I'm just going to hell because Wraith made me feel like I'm going to hell. I want you to know the gospel message, and then you can make a decision on where you're going to go, okay? First off, make no doubt about it. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay. We've all sinned and our sin will be judged. That is an absolute. God is going to judge sin because it's wicked. He has to judge it. And that's the illustration from this chapter here is that willful, unrepentant sin will get you thrown in the slammer. It'll get you thrown in jail. And hell in that case is a permanent jail. But you don't want to get dragged off to jail. You don't want to die without the royalty. You don't want to be stripped of your royalty and buried worse than a donkey like the guy was here, before you leave feeling like all you've got ahead of you is hell, that if all you have in your life is nothing but captivity, I want to show you Luke 4.18. says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, there it is again, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The Lord God said this. Friends, God does not want to turn your enemies loose on you. God doesn't want to cast you into condemnation. What he wants is for you to turn to him Repent of your old life of sin and be saved. But if you're not going to do it, he will unleash everything he can to put the pressure on you to get you to see that the way you're going is wrong. If you will not listen to pastors like me trying to tell you the gospel, then he's got to take it up a few notches. He's got to turn the fire a little hotter, right? You're not going to listen to me. And you could just listen to the word I'm giving you and get saved right now. But if you're not going to do it, well, I hate all pastors. I've heard people tell me that you're not going to listen, or your coworkers that are trying to tell you about the Lord, or anybody on the radio, or wherever you've been hearing it, there's people all over the place trying to tell you how to be saved, and you're not listening, then God is going to bring in other elements to turn up the pressure to finally get you to snap out of it, to try to crack through my hard head. (laughs) He had to put on a lot of pressure to get me to finally break to where I let him in. Maybe he's doing you that way. So before you say, why do bad things happen in the world. Well, maybe this is the reason why, what we're reading here in 2 Kings 24, because you're not listening, you're not obeying, and you won't turn, and he wants you to. He's trying to save you, friend. He will hurt you if that's what it takes to save you. You see what I'm saying? He doesn't want you to be condemned. He doesn't want to throw you in the slammer. Friends, none of the kings of Judah had to be dragged away like this. They could have lived in peace in their own land if only... They had obeyed the Lord and not done things their own way. You don't have to be cast from the Lord's sight, but if you want to be saved, then you need to get right with the Lord. It requires us to correct. It requires us to change. Not God. We are the sinner, not Him. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Friends, the gospel message talks about liberty. It talks about freedom. Now, I want to define that real quick. Liberty, freedom, it does not mean you get to do anything you want. That's not what freedom is. There's a skewed version of freedom today, and that's why everybody's fighting each other, going crazy, because they don't know what freedom is. Freedom does not mean you get to do anything you want to do. Liberty and freedom means you have a choice means you get to make a decision. If you have zero decision in your life, you have no freedom at all. But if you have a decision, if you get to make a choice about matters, that's freedom. You have options. You can choose to live your way or you can choose to live God's way. Now that you've got the freedom to make that choice, but if you choose not to listen to the Lord God, you're heading for some bad times. You're going to end up a captive. But if you want to be truly set free, you're going to have better choices. And sometimes you may not like your choices either way. Uh, I know a lot of people, they've given their, I've been one of them, Uh, you give your life to the Lord and you're confronted with choices and you don't like the choice either way. But when you get confronted with the choice to sin or the choice to obey the Lord God, you have to make the right choice, but that is liberty to do so. There's been times God gave me a choice. I didn't like any options that God gave me, (laughs) but I knew that my own way was worse. Typically, your own way, the way you want to do things, looks better than the choices God offers you. And that's why so many people are running from God, because they like their choices better than God's. Okay, but your limited free will is going to get you put in the slammer. Okay, but the Lord God offers you ultimate liberty. Acts 6 verse 7 says, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient. I'm going to say that again. They were obedient to the faith. Okay, the Christian walk is not something that you just declare and say, oh, I'm saved now and all's well. The gospel message is a walk of obedience. When you get saved by Jesus and he seals you for salvation, that's great. But now you have to be obedient to that faith. You have to actually do what God says, which means if you're truly saved, then you're going to have the desire to actually do what God says instead of doing things your own way. Some people would rather ignore what God says while making continual justifications for it. I had this guy that I was talking to. He wanted to over-spiritualize and sound Christianese and he was talking all these things that sounded great, but ultimately he wasn't doing anything that the Lord God commands a believer to do. And I had to gently and lovingly call him out on that and say, but you're not doing what the Lord God commands. He goes, well, just because I'm not doing that doesn't mean I'm not saved. I said, well, let me put it to you this way. You're, you're basically saying just because I don't obey the Lord God, that doesn't mean I haven't made him Lord. What now? Jesus actually said, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I tell you to? Now, this guy, when I talked to him about it, uh, about this, he was a boss on a construction site, and he had a bunch of workers right in front of him that were working, and he was mad at them because they weren't doing things the way he told them to do it. And you know what he did? He fired some of them. <laughs> I mean, imagine that. He fired some guys because they wouldn't do things the way he told them to do it but then turned right around and told me that he doesn't have to do what god says and god has to keep him around. I it just made absolute zero sense. You'd think the guy would understand this. But he made a justification for every reason he had for why he did not have to do what god said. So I asked him, I said, "Well, what if those employees came to you and made a justification for why they didn't do what you said?" He goes, "Well, I don't care because they're not getting the job done that I have them here to do. I have them here to do a certain job. That's what they're supposed to do as long as they're in my employment, and they weren't doing it, so I had to cut them. I said, but what if they had a justification for their reason not to obey you? And, we, and I don't think I ever got through to him, but I hope some of you listening here today, maybe you're understanding what I'm getting at. So I want to ask you a question, though. Rather than making justifications for everything that God's Word says is sin, why don't we just ask a question? Are you a victim of your enemies? Are you under hostility? Is, does it seem like everybody's out to get you? Does it seem like everything's always against you and you're about to crack? You're about to break. You always seem to be under pressure, under some kind of continual weight. Do you feel like that? You should review your life and consider, am I really living God's way? You know, God has the power to fight your enemies off, to make your path clear, so you can go forward and do the work that he has for you to do. He's got a way that he can just make things clear for you to go on. Well, so why is he not doing it? That's what I want to ask. Is he not clearing that path out for you? Maybe there's some iniquity in your life that you need to get rid of. you got to ask, am I really living God's way, or do I have justifications in my mind on why I don't think I should have to? Friends, God is going to judge our sin, absolutely, but... He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, for you and me, so that upon your belief in him, then your sin is transferred off of you and onto Jesus Christ at the cross. I like time travel movies, Back to the Future, 88 miles an hour, you can go back in time or whatever. But there is a time traveler. It's the Lord. He has appeared in different places in history, of human history. He has appeared to Abraham. He's appeared during the gospel times up to 33 AD. He's popped in and out of history many times. You just read the Bible. He's popped in and out many times. He knows time travel, okay? And when you give your life to Jesus, your sins come up off of you, and they time travel 2,000 years ago, and they land on the cross on him where he deals with your sins instead of you having to deal with your sins yourself, because you're not going to win. You cannot win against this king. He's more powerful than you are. So I want you to remember how God said he would cast off Jerusalem, the place where he had set his name. Remember, we read that. God set his name with Jerusalem. What that means is he made a lot of covenant promises with Jerusalem, and the main one being that one day the Messiah, King Jesus, the Son of David, would one day come and reign there in Jerusalem on Mount Zion. So how could God hand over to judgment the very place where he had signed his covenant, so to speak, when he said he put his name there? I want you to think about the cross for a minute. That's the place where God signed his new covenant of salvation for us. The cross is where Jesus was handed over for judgment, and God is the one who himself made it happen. He raised up these enemies against Jesus to take him to the cross to kill him. God made that happen, okay? But just because God cast Jesus off to be crucified, that does not invalidate his covenant, but that's exactly what made his covenant active. He made his covenant active through a crucifixion by handing over his son to death so that we could be saved by it. Again, I want you to think about how God said he's going to hand off and let go to the enemies. He's going to hand off the place where he signed his name. That's not to invalidate any promises he ever made, but that is to activate the promises he's made. Now, let me relate this to you. Has God ever cast you off before? He did me. He cast me off. He handed me over to my enemies, not so he could hurt me, not to harm me, but to activate his covenant in me. I got handed off to my enemies. I had every bad thing you could think of happen to me, and it drove me to rock bottom nothing. Before it finally cracked through to me that God wants to save me, I needed to get right with Him. And I'm glad He turned me over to my enemies, to all the hostility and all the pressure, because that finally woke me up to get right with Him. So, friends, why did God cast off Judah if He had covenant wrapped up in them? Why did He cast off Jesus on the cross? When there was covenant in him, because Jesus had to die for our sins. There had to be a place to execute judgment on sin. And he did that on the cross so that he could execute judgment against sin on Jesus instead of upon you. In the case of Judah, he did that because he needed to purify Judah. Jesus is not going to come and sit on a throne where there's a sinful place there. He's got to clean it out. And so the Lord was cleaning. Judah, of its sin. And yeah, he had to turn some people loose, just like my friend that ran that construction site. He turned some people loose because they weren't doing what he told them. Friends, are you doing what God told you to do? Well, I don't even know what God wants me to do. Well, the chances are you're not doing what God wants you to do. You need to get into the Word. Start somewhere. Doesn't take a lot. Doesn't take a lot of effort. You just need to start having that inclination, that decision, I want to be pleasing to the Lord, and start doing what He says and following in His Word. God has to judge our sin, but he does not want to judge it by taking it out on you. He sent Jesus to die in our place so that he could take out his wrath out on his own son at the cross instead of taking his wrath out upon you. God doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to set you free. Now, you know, it was a very foolish thing for Jehoiakim to try to go up against Nebuchadnezzar and fight that king that was mightier than he was. So who were what? has been trying to talk you into going up against King Jesus, you're not going to win. Let me just (laughs) make that clear. He's more powerful than you are. You're not going to win. The best thing you can do is submit yourself to the Lord Jesus. He's a good king. He's not out to get you. He's not trying to lock you up. He is trying to set you free. He's trying to save you from the death penalty of your own sin of doing things your own way. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Friends, if you're under pressure, maybe that's from the Lord. Maybe he's trying to get you to realize the impossibility of your situation so that when you turn it over to him finally, and he delivers you from it all, you're going to recognize how great he is how powerful he is, how capable he is, and that you can trust him. Stop trying to fix things your own way. It hasn't worked yet. It's never going to work. The more you try to fix it, the more you mess it up. God has a way out for you. He has King Jesus who died on the cross for you to save you. And you need to call out to him and call out to him like you have never done before. He's not trying to lock you up. He's trying to fulfill a covenant with you, but he's not going to do it with sin in the way. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I always tell people, if you're sick and tired of your old life, give it to Jesus. He'll give you a new one. Pray right now with me, would you? Father God, forgive me. I have sinned. Lord God, I blew it. I can't fix anything. I need you to save me because I can't do this. So, Lord, today I give you my life. I will pursue you. I will obey you. I will be obedient to the faith because my way doesn't work. I want to live your way. Thank you, Lord God, for sending your son to die in my place. I give you my life, all of it. Take it. Give me a new life. Get rid of that old life. I hate it. I look forward to the changes you're about to make. Thank you for saving me, Lord. In Jesus' name, I receive you. Amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at
1: Set for life You'll be on your way Any day you decide to start